0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean O'Zaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today, we continue in this series called Master Plan, and Pastor Sean wants you to know the journey to real life is a wonderful vision for an abundant future. Just take a few moments to consider where God fits into this vision as you set up your master plan. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at Reallife.org. Today's part two of a message called A Change of Plans. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. John 10, 27.
1: Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This doesn't mean to study Jesus or just even listen to Jesus, read about Jesus. No, follow was an active choice to embrace him as Lord and choose to live in what became known as the way, the way of Jesus. We're going to become of the way, it was said. It was active. They, they followed Jesus literally, physically. Now, we understand after three years, Jesus was gone. What happened then? Well, the Holy Spirit came, filled them, and then they followed Jesus by his spirit. We follow Jesus, and we still follow him physically. Only it's our bodies filled with his spirit. Going, when he says go. Waiting, when he says wait. Changing direction, when he says change direction. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So my question for us is, have you made the decision to follow Jesus? To let him be the leader. Because that's the first and the core. Until you do, your master plan will be out of alignment with his master plan. And you'll never experience the life, the power, the opportunity that he has called you to. See, a new vision always requires a new plan. A new vision always requires a new plan. Second thing that this model's... We say connect with other believers in community. That's the second decision on the journey to real life. Connect with other believers in community. What's interesting is they followed together. It wasn't just Peter, James, and John went as well. And we know that Jesus built this little community of disciples. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, the word church was ecclesia, it, it was a word that meant a group of people who are called out of one life into another, like the citizens. Okay, When we talk about church, we're not talking about buildings. We're not talking about religious organizations. We're not talking about 501c3 corporations. We're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about a group of people who were called out to walk together and follow Jesus. That's what the church is. They followed together. Look Jesus in his high priestly prayer, John 17, beginning at verse 20. He's, he's prayed for his disciples. Then he says, my prayer is not just for them alone, for those 12. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You know who that is? That's us and every other person who's become a follower of Jesus throughout history. I pray that all of them may be one. Look at that. May be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. See, this is real. Jesus' heart for us is oneness and unity. Do you you remember what Jesus said? By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you, what? You love one another. And he's not just talking about good feelings, warm fuzzies, and kind of say nice things. He's talking about an unconditional commitment to imperfect people. You love them. You be part of them. You be one. You be in unity. Look at 1 Timothy three fourteen and 15. He says, although I hope to come to you soon, Paul is writing. He says, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. This is a picture of a family. God's household, which is the church of the living God. Look at this description. The pillar and the foundation of the truth. Um, I want to say to you, uh, the church is not optional. It is the pillar and the foundation of truth. It is the place where this life is to be lived out in community. And we were made for relationship. We were made for community. I read, and and far too often, even among some kind of prominent Christian authors, writers, I read them say things like, I'm done with the church. And I want to say, if that's what they're saying, if they're serious, they are done with following Jesus. Well, how can you say that? I didn't. Jesus did. I'm not talking about, again, I'm not talking about the religious structure. I'm just saying if you're done with the ecclesia, the people of Jesus, you're done with being a part of the church he's established, then you're done following Jesus. You're missing the whole point. And it's like, well, but you don't know what they've done. These people have been hypocrites. Stop it for a minute. Time out. So you've never been a hypocrite? I thank God that the church doesn't throw hypocrites out. Because I would have been thrown out a long time ago. There are times when I've been a hypocrite, when I've had to be called on it, when I've realized, oh my gosh, I'm being inconsistent. I said one thing, I'm doing another. Forgive me, Lord. I'm thankful the church doesn't throw jerks out or I would have been gone a long time ago. Don't say a word. Come on, none of you have ever... It's like, where I was, oh, I was offended at the church. You've never offended anybody? How arrogant is it that we put an entire group of people on trial and say, I'm done with them. Because they're not perfect. And? And you are? Finish the sentence. They're not perfect and I am. It sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. And I just want to say the church is not optional. In fact, it is our imperfection that becomes an opportunity for us to learn, to love, support, show grace to one another. If we were perfect, what would we need grace for? And we are supposed to be a community of grace, a community of His presence. We need one another. True spiritual life cannot be realized or grown in isolation. God created us to be relational. We need each other. We need each other to love one another. How do we love one another without the church? How do we do that? How do we support one another, challenge each other, hold each other accountable? How do we get teaching Truth-telling. You know, you need people to tell you the truth. People who know you and care about you. Protection. There's protection in our community. There's mentoring. People who are farther down the road. There's reality checks. You ever had to have a reality check? See, if I'm not a part of any actual body of believers where people know my name and I'm committed to them and I'm kind of walking under leadership, if I'm not a part of that, I can kid myself into anything. I can just make stuff up as I I go. I can post anything online. I can just say this and everybody's like, oh, people who don't know me, oh, that sounds so wonderful, so spiritual. Some things, if I said them to like the people in my group, the people who know me, they're like, are you being serious right now? You remember last week? Because we saw you. <laughs> Sometimes we need a reality check. We need someone to speak the truth in love. People who love us and care about us enough to kind of hold the mirror up once in a while and go, hey, remember? Remember what you, you said? Remember what God did? Remember? It's good stuff. See, a new vision always requires a new plan. How are you doing on the vision and the plan? A third thing that we talk about and that they experience is grow to become like Jesus. Grow to become like Jesus. See, they followed Jesus knowing it meant change. Knowing that they were going to be different. They were going to be about something different. Jesus said, you were this, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you, you're, for now you're going to fish for people. You're going to be different. That's what a disciple was. They were committed to a discipline, learning, and changing. I just want to say to us all, it's not okay to stay the same. We're supposed to grow and mature. Just like physically, we expect our children to grow and mature, we spiritually become a new life in Christ, a new creation. We are supposed to grow and mature. Ephesians 2, 22 through 24, look what it says. Because you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. ever had desires that were deceitful? The, most, the worst deception is when you're fooling yourself. Corrupted by deceitful desires, and you to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is baseline Christianity. We are to grow and mature. Look how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 3, beginning verse 18. He says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. Who's Jesus? His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that's what the Spirit is doing. The Spirit is growing us, and he's growing the character, the life, the nature of Jesus. Listen to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. He's building the character of Jesus. If you're not more loving than you were when you first came to Jesus, something's wrong. If you're not growing in joy and peace, something's wrong. Because we're supposed to grow. I'm not saying we're perfect now. I'm just saying we're more like Jesus. We're farther down the road. See, that's when we talk about spiritual disciplines. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the disciplines that come from the word, prayer. You know, we talk about discipleship is fairly simple. Listen for his voice, do what he says. Listen for his voice and do what he says. It's not easy, but it isn't complex. The disciplines are designed to put us in the way of the Spirit of God so he can speak and grow. So that's why we talk about being in the word and praying. That's why we talk about community, helping one another. We focus on helping one another obey what the Lord has led us to. Even the simple discipline of the tithe. Do you realize how much God does through the discipline of the tithe? The tithe isn't just God's way of paying his bills. Yes, the tithe funds the work of the church and the kingdom of God throughout the world. And that's a wonderful thing. If it were nothing more, that is a noble and great thing to support. But the tithe is a covenant where I learn and discover. I take my finances and I give a tenth of my finances and I trust what God said when he said, I will do more with 90 than you can do with 100. See, I don't know about you. I'm okay at math. I'm, I'm not bad at math. 100 is always more than 90. And God is coming and saying, I'll do more with 90. Do you know what that means? He is offering us the opportunity to mathematically prove his goodness, his faithfulness, and his power to work in our lives. And prove it by math, because when you see God work in your finances, and you and it's like, I don't know, I, I couldn't afford it. I didn't have 10% to just give to the church. I didn't have that, but then I did, and man, this happened. This happened. I, I don't even know these other things that happened, but I'm okay. And God actually did more with 90 than I could do with 100. And the beauty of that is, see, your faith is built. I can't tell you how many people I've seen whose faith is built through that. And so now, when it comes time, i got a crisis in my marriage, and I'm being challenged to trust Jesus instead of what a lawyer's telling me. Wait a minute. He was faithful. He mathematically, I was able to mathematically, with, with something so basic as money, I was able to prove his faithfulness. Maybe I can trust him in my marriage. you got a kid you're having a struggle with get some ungodly counsel you should do this 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 but god's word says this and godly counsel says this maybe if i could trust him i proved his faithfulness mathematically with the tithe maybe i can trust him with my kid Maybe i can trust him with my career my future maybe i can trust him with the big things of life he proved it mathematically through money maybe he's faithful everywhere that's what spiritual disciplines do they change us they grow us and we should be different our faith should be different today than it was 10 years ago or whenever we became a follower of Christ. See, a new vision always requires a new plan. And four, embrace the call to serve. Well, they were real clear on this. Embrace the call to serve.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called A Change of Plans. The series is called Master Plan, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. podcast series in a devotional form encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or dot lifeorg And now the conclusion to the message A Change of Plans. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: In Luke 5, we see Jesus go from master, which in the Greek is epistatus. That's the word. And it was simply one who's superior in office. There was a term of respect because of Jesus being a teacher and a rabbi. Peter starts calling him epistatus, respect for his office. He ends by calling him Lord, which is the word kairos, which means one who's in charge by victory of possession or ownership. In other words, you're not just a teacher, Jesus. You're my Lord, and I'm yours. I see you're the creator. See, we're his. You're moving from I am student, I am your student, Lord, to I am your servant. And it's very different. It's a matter of identity. You know, Paul introduces himself in several of the epistles as, I'm Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Every one of us who's a follower of Jesus should be able to say the same thing. I'm not saying you should go out around introducing yourself like that. It might seem a little weird to some people. But it should be very near the forefront of your mind. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They discovered a whole new way of living, a whole new purpose in service. It changed their world. Sadly, many of us still approach Jesus as student rather than as servant. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, We are God's handiwork, or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to serve. We were gifted to serve. It's a way of seeing your life. Am I called to be a contributor or am I called to be a consumer? And I'm not talking just about serving in the church, although I will tell you, I think it should start. In the fellowship. If, you, if this is your church, if you're a part of this church, this is your church, um, and you're not serving anywhere, I want to suggest that's out of balance. That's, in, that's, that's not how we should conduct ourselves. Think about it in a household. Think about it at home. If, if you had, you know, you're living in a home, you're eating there, you're, you're under the roof, you enjoy all the benefits, you drive the car, you do all the stuff, but you never did any of the work. We'd go, that's messed up, right? At a certain point, we get to where we start talking to our kids and like, yeah, that's messed up. I think, you know, two years old, they can start figuring out, I made a mess, I got to pick it up. Right? One-year-old will give a break. The two-year-old, by the time you're two, you should know, yeah, I threw those toys down, great, had fun, it was wonderful, I got to pick them up. And you start picking up. And then as they get older, we expect more. You want to drive the car? Sweet. You're going to clean the car. You're going to fill the car up. You're going to do some work with the car. You want you, this is your home. You get to enjoy it. Great. We got guests coming over. You, you dust that room. You vacuum that room. You clean the bathrooms. Good. We're all going to get ready because we got guests coming over because that's what we do. It's our house. And so I want to say, if this is your church and you don't have a place of servant, I, service, I think that's, that's out of line. That's out of balance. And God wants us to serve. But I don't think it stops here. I don't think that's the pinnacle. Because I want to suggest to you that, man, what you learn about service, what you begin to develop and grow, you then take that into your neighborhood. You take that into your profession, into your professional circles. You take that into your school, your universities. You take that everywhere. You become a servant. I'm not a consumer predominantly. I'm a contributor because I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And if you're like, okay, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, we also have a class that we're doing this afternoon. And I'm going to be actually do this next week just because we haven't done it in a while. We're wanting to let as many people as possible be able to do it. It's called the Shape Class. And it's really interesting. You'll love it. It's all about you, actually. I mean, it's about God, but it's about you, about your gifting and how God wired you. And you can learn how, how, kind of where to start. And it really does a great job of giving you some handles on how God wired you to serve. That's today at 3 o'clock right here or next week. You can go to reallife.org and find out more information about that or you can just show up. For the shape class. See, a new vision always requires a new plan and serving as part of that plan. And last thing we talk about when we talk about the five decisions. We have to share what we've been given. We have to share what you've been given. See, fishing for men meant sharing what they'd been given. When Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, I'm going to have you fishing for people. Do you know how they knew that? Because they'd just been fished. Okay? Jesus was fishing. He, wasn't just te- he went from teaching to fishing. When we went out, when, and he wasn't fishing for fish. We don't know what happened to those fish. I don't think they took two boatloads of fish. Those crowd got to take fish home. Jesus gave everybody a little present. Jesus got brought lunch. See, he wasn't fishing for fish. He was fishing for people. And he got them. He got Peter. He got James and John. And then we know he continued, and there were more. So they knew... When he says you're going to be fishing for people, that's what they were going to do. See, Look what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7 through 8. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Look at this. Freely you've received, freely give. You've been set free by the gospel. You've been filled with the presence of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. You've experienced the blessing, the provision, the promise of the Lord. He says, you've been given that freely. Share it we got to share it. That's what the Great Commission is all about. Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when they said the go disciples part, they got it. That was pretty, pretty easy. Because they'd just been, by the time this is said, it was three years with Jesus. So they knew how to make disciples because they'd just been made. They were disciples. So they got it. But the all nations part might have been a bit daunting. Until they realized he said he would be with them always baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, sharing means reproducing who we are. It doesn't mean being the Bible answer, man. It doesn't mean memorizing and being in an encyclopedia of the Bible. It means being able to share what you've been given, share what God has done with you. It means Multiplying. And in our culture, we get weird over that. We go, oh, oh my gosh, we're going to be proselyting. I don't, I don't want to proselyte. Well, we proselyte all the time. We proselyte with politics. We proselyte with products, with diet, with whatever. We'll proselyte with workout regimens, whatever. We'll proselyte all the time. This is about eternal life. And I'm really not talking about proselyting. I'm simply talking about sharing. And, and man, when someone gives you an opportunity and starts sharing a need... Something as simple as saying, you know, I've really seen God answer prayer in my life. Can I pray for you? Do You know, I've never had a person say no. And if they did, I would simply say, oh, well, you can't stop me. In fact, I'm praying for you right now. Because <laughs> it's just me and God. Look, I'm doing it. Ah, I'm still doing it. Ah. I, I wouldn't do that to them. I would not taunt them, no. But the point is, once the minute I left the room, I'd pray for them. But the point is, when you ask to pray for somebody, it opens up a door. It opens up a conversation. Some people will be interested and in, in want to talk more. And again, you're not expected to quote in the whole scripture. Just, just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Begin to talk with them about what you've learned of Jesus. You're not responsible for what you don't know or what you haven't experienced. You're only responsible for what you do know and what you have experienced. And you're, In fact, you're an expert on what you know and what you have experienced. So just share it. Really, it's that simple. If we just said, I'm going to start sharing my spiritual life, I'm going to start being willing to have spiritual conversations. That's the key to multiplying. See, and this brings us all the way back up to the top. Because the ultimate question is, will we follow? Will you and I follow? Because all this is a part of following. Will you follow or, or do you or I really just want him to follow us? See, am I willing to follow Jesus? Or do I just want Jesus to follow me? Do I just want Jesus to come along and bless my plan? We have, Remember, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about the master plan and we, we want his plan, but sometimes we just kind of reduce it to, well, God, just bless my plan. I don't really want to change. I don't want things to be different. I've got my course set. God, bless my plan. I've got my career goals, I've got my, my home goals, my family goals. God, bless my plan. And we saw, yeah, that's not how it works. The key operative word is God. That should be our clue. And I think sometimes instead of following Jesus, oh, yeah, I'm following Jesus. What we're really doing is asking Jesus to follow me because the key word is surrender. See, if you're not connecting in community, um, I want to say to you, you're not really following Jesus. You're asking Jesus to follow you. I want to take Jesus on my terms. When Jesus in his word says, you've got to walk in community, you got to love one another, you got to be in unity, you got to care for one another, serve one another, well, yeah, but I, don't, I just want you and me, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can't have the Father without the brothers and sisters. That's how family works. See, if you're not connecting the community, you might not be following Jesus. You might be asking Jesus to follow you. If you're not growing by listening to his voice and doing what he says, you might not be following Jesus. You might be asking Jesus to follow you. If you're not serving him and his mission, and if you're not sharing the life and truth of Jesus with others, you might not be following Jesus you might simply be asking him to follow you. Lord, bless my plan. See, it all starts right at the beginning with just saying, okay, Lord, I see who you are, and I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to follow you. Here's our linchpin on these whole five decisions on the journey to real life. Um, If you do the first one, you're going to end up with all the others. Really, it's one decision. Follow Jesus, and he will lead you to community. He will lead you to growth. He will lead you to service. He will lead you to sharing. You will end up with all those others.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.